The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a paranoid vengeance demon to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. The logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the Nirvana fallacy, also known as the perfect solution fallacy or the perfectionist fallacy. So the Nirvana fallacy is basically when a solution or a point of view is proposed to you and you reject it because there's something wrong with it. It's not perfect. And it may even be competing with other possible solutions, which also aren't perfect, but that doesn't matter. If there's anything wrong right. with it, then it's completely worthless, basically. The only possible right answer or good point of view or good solution is is one that doesn't have any flaws, which obviously you don't find very often. So the person that's dismissing the ones that the, the solution that's being posed doesn't have to have the uh, perfect one no they can just snipe at the other one and say Absolutely. well it's, it's bad in this respect and it's not perfect so, so they haven't got to come up with anything to to counter it they just potch you know take apart the other one yeah absolutely well, you just it's just a, it's just a way of shooting down something that you don't <laughs> yeah. that you, and and it may be a way of shooting down something that you don't like for other reasons uh but yeah it's just a it's a way of dismissing someone's argument essentially right so i've, I've only got one trump example this week because we've been in the last couple of weeks since last we recorded a buttload of stuff has happened so we've got plenty to talk about the rest of the show so like a bunch of stuff <laughs> so um, right. so i'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> move pretty quickly with just the one trump example and right. it's not that he doesn't do it often it's just that he does it no. so, often. so much other stuff like, okay yeah so um this this was during a press conference uh actually with the president i want to say of nigeria but aside from that he was asked about iran and the rumors at the time that he was going to be pulling out of the iran nuclear deal you know in seven years that deal will have expired and iran is free to go ahead and create nuclear weapons that's not acceptable seven years is tomorrow that's not acceptable trump's argument well, was isn't. essentially <laughs> no it isn't yeah. tomorrow, no. um but it could be if you pull out of the agreement Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> There's no seven-year limit. You know, yeah. yeah. So one of Trump's main objections for the Iran the Iran deal was that there is a sunset clause, right. and that it doesn't prevent Iran from having nuclear technology indefinitely. Yep. And yep. that's true. It doesn't. It's not true to say that within in seven years they could start to have nuclear weapons because they'd actually they're signatories to a, an agreement that they wouldn't ever have nuclear weapons. Mm. There's a, a series of increasing steps from 7 and 10, 15, 25 years where they are allowed to do more things to do with nuclear technology, right. like getting more centrifuges and stuff like that to, yeah. to 
research nuclear power basically and to be able to right. use nuclear power um but they had signed on to never having nuclear weapons and there was no reason to assume that they were looking to get nuclear weapons and certainly there it wasn't a rule that once that sunset clause started to come in that they were allowed to have nuclear weapons not true mm-hmm. but trump's theory was since they will be allowed to do nuclear stuff it's a bad yeah. deal therefore let's pull out of the deal which was the only thing yeah. stopping them from doing um, any nuclear doing stuff nuclear things yes so actually is it just an excuse for the fact that he didn't like it because it was obama well because it seems yeah. it seems as a kind of running theme with all the all the ones he's pulled out of like nafta and yes. uh, obamacare yeah and the paris you know accord and yeah. all that stuff he's not replaced it with anything no no those at all. there's definitely an argument for that and yeah as you say those those are all examples the, the paris accord essentially his argument was mainly that china and india didn't have to uh, reduce their pollution because they're emerging technologies, right. emerging in, uh, yeah. economies, and, yeah. and that's built into it. But his problem was, you know, we have to do all this stuff. China and India don't have to do it. Therefore, Therefore we're not going we to. shouldn't have to yeah. do it either, ignoring the fact that yeah. all the people doing it reduces the global climate problem. Yeah. yeah. With with NAFTA, the USMCA, which he, he replaced it with, is a mi- minor tweaks to what NAFTA was. And, the, you know, it increases things like the amount of parts of a car that have to be built in either the US, Mexico or Canada to qualify for tariff-free movement from, like, yeah. 67% of the car to 75% of the car and stuff like that. It's very, really kind of minor things. But but he said, you know, this is an amazing trade deal. NAFTA was terrible. So it's, it's, nowhere, near, it's nowhere near perfect. Well, it depends... Yeah. How how he defines perfect? Perfect is well, he, he has a specific definition for perfect, which is anything he does. But yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> Obamacare. Obviously, they they still haven't repealed and replaced Obamacare. But again, yeah. one of the main objections that he had to that was that um, for some people it increases their premiums. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But for twenty million people, they have healthcare which they didn't have before. So yeah. Swings and roundabouts. That way, yeah, 20 million of them would be possible Trump voters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's, um, mm. yeah, he, it is, it is a running theme. Um, mm-hmm. that he, he does, which is, yes, focusing on, on one thing that is a, a negative without factoring in all of the positives. And, and in the case of something like the Iran deal, which is why I picked that one to focus on, it specifically, Abandoning the entire thing because yeah. of a negative, which becomes way worse when you abandon the deal. Yeah, it, and it, it's not—it's not actually a negative. It's just his interpretation yeah, yeah. of he's finding something that he doesn't particularly like, and then doing the fallacy of conflating that with seven years is tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, it isn't. No, absolutely. Seven years is beyond seven, your seven tenancy, years your gives you time to negotiate a, a follow-up deal to that yeah doesn't it it gives you that yeah. that opportunity to say okay we're not happy with this sunset clause so we're going to say that in seven years we will impose sanctions unless you agree to do these things but that's yeah. not what's happened he just said no we're we're pulling out of it which yeah. is because he, he needs to be seen to be really good at deals yeah and actually we we've seen time and again he isn't any good at any deals. deals it's amazing yeah 
So the, the, his, his biography ought to be, well, his, his self-help book should be The Arse of a Deal because <laughs> he just makes a complete arse of all his deals. They're not deals at all. They're just stupid Nirvana fallacies. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. So, uh, yeah, in, in uh, keeping it short, I'm going to have just one example as well, which is Nigel Farage, who never keeps anything short. So basically, Nigel, Nigel Farage um, is the self-styled architect of Brexit because he, um, he keeps kind of wondering about saying, yeah, all the stuff I did, I brought Brexit about. And you know, to a certain extent, he's not wrong. Um, so this clip is before the general, the last general election last year. Um, B- Boris Johnson threw away Theresa May's deal, tore it up, and then came up with another deal uh, in order to appeal to the the Leave voters uh, and get Brexit done. Um, and during the hustings and the run up to the election, this is Farage's. Um, take on what Boris's deal is like. But what has Boris Johnson done? He has picked up that treaty, he has amended it, he has made it slightly better in terms of the customs union membership for Great Britain. But in doing so, he has hived off a part of the United Kingdom, despite his own promises that he would never do any such thing. But the problem is, it doesn't get Brexit done. All it does is take us into another three years of agonising negotiations with, yes, you've guessed it, Michel Barnier in charge. And what Barnier has set out already in that political declaration is there will be no free trade deal with the European Union unless we stay part, effectively, of the common fisheries policy. And it will mean, above all, that our free trade deal means we will have to continue in regulatory alignment on social policy, employment policy, environmental law and even taxation. Here is the problem with the proposition that Boris Johnson is putting to the British people. It is not Brexit. Again, he's just doing, which he's made his entire career based on, which is sniping at the people that are in charge. Um, in order to just pull down what they're saying. He doesn't come up with anything that is Brexit. Well, what is Brexit then, Nige? Cause, and what happened was, in the election, um, he saw that Boris was likely to win, or or actually that if he stood his MPs, his Brexit party MPs, in the constituencies where... Um, Tories were contesting seats, then he would be likely to split the right wing vote, to split the leave vote and um, therefore bring about the possibility of Boris not winning because the Brexit party was never going to win enough seats to to, um, govern and consequently Brexit wouldn't wouldn't get done. So he'd stood down his MPs, Boris's party won he himself said he wouldn't run as an MP, knowing that if Boris got in and Brexit did get done, then he would lose his seat 
as an MEP, member of the European Parliament, which he has done since the 31st of January when Brexit got done, whatever that means. Mm. So he's now in no position at all to do anything about the things he says are the imperfections in Boris's Brexit. He's he's out of power, but it doesn't stop him going on this morning and uh, Fox News and declaiming the the imperfections in because he's now not part of the European Parliament. He's got no hands to bite. So he's having to bite Boris's hand. Why is he advocating a Brexit that doesn't include... So there's a whole bunch of fallacies in there because he, it, the whole thing is it, him saying it's not a deal, it just gives us three more years of negotiations. Well, yeah, that's just fact. Yeah, that's what you it need to do a, to get to the deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just a withdrawal agreement. It's kind of the um, the unicorn that they were offering um, yeah. to, for people to vote for is this easy, straightforward, quick, um, completely damage-free Brexit. And, this, yeah. and that's what you want. And it's not yeah. a possibility. It's not something that exists. No. Um, no, and, that, that, and, but once yeah. they voted for that, anything less is like, well, this isn't what we voted for. So yeah, there was a great uh, quote recently I've read of somebody having to queue up um, at the non-EU members <laughs> desk at Amsterdam Airport, and he was quoted as saying, "This isn't the Brexit I voted for." <laughs> and, you go, and everybody on Twitter just went, "No, this is exactly yeah. the Brexit you voted for. You're no longer a member of the EU, so you can't go through the EU gate." So, uh, so and I think the. Um, the Brexiteers will continue. There will be a time when we can no longer, or um, they can no longer legit, not that they can do it legitimately anyway, no longer legitimately blame Europe for the problems because <laughs> we're no longer in Europe and they will have to start looking at the government in charge. At the moment, everything's down to Europe and the uh, the rhetoric that Boris is using, um, as Farage was using when he kind of says, ugh, and guess who's in charge of it? Michel Barnier, a European. <laughs> uh, and they've got, you know, Boris is talking about Brussels have got us exactly where they want us. And that, like, we're at war with these people. It's, you know, it's the same kind of uh, Trump negotiating style, which is to cast the, uh, the guy, the other guy in the deal as the enemy. And then, Blame everything on them. That's how are these people in charge? <laughs> Just what is it that you want to do? We want to find fallacies and we want to find them in the wild, and that's what we want to do. And we want to get fallacies in the wild. We're gonna have a party. There we go, Primal Scream there with Loaded in memory of Andrew Weatherall, who produced that um, seminal work in 1990, who died today. It's very, very sad for all us second summer of love uh, sample <laughs> Primal Scream heads. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I should have done a Nirvana song, I, but I was got expecting a Nirvana by this. song, to be yeah. honest. But there you go. That's, the, that's the other Nirvana <laughs> fallacy, that Nirvana is grunge uh-huh. 
that's that's the Nirvana fallacy, isn't it? That you complete yeah. Nirvana with grunge. But yeah, I was all just lined up to do that. But then Andrew Weatherall died, so I had, to, I had to do Primal Scream. Yeah. So in the fallacy in the wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective, which I am going to fail to do immediately because <laughs> our first example <laughs> is is completely political, and uh, and in the process, I'm gonna I'm gonna basically shit on a, a podcast with at least a hundred times as many listeners as us and and right. risk losing some listeners slash patrons so this okay. is <laughs> are you sure you want to go ahead uh, yeah yeah no this is fine <laughs> okay um, <laughs> all right <laughs> this is a tweet from will menneker who is the uh one of the main hosts of chapo trap house which is a very popular very left-wing uh podcast mm-hmm. and he is a bernie supporter he tweeted on February 5th, I won't vote for anyone but Bernie in the general. Can't say what the hundreds of thousands of people who listen to my show will do, but I'm only speaking to, for myself. Just something to consider. So this is representative of a fairly kind of stereotypical Bernie bro who only wants Bernie, Bernie or bust. Yeah. They won't vote for anyone else. Yeah. It's, it, was, it was an issue in 2016 because when Bernie lost to Hillary, a lot of his supporters either vote, not a lot, but a, a significant proportion of his supporters either voted for Trump or stayed home, um, yeah. allowing Trump essentially to beat Hillary. And, and it is an issue coming up, depending on what happens with Bernie in this election. And... Mm-hmm. Problem is, this is absolutely a Nirvana fallacy in the sense that only their candidate, only the one that they think is the best, will do. And and if he doesn't get the nomination, then to hell with the whole thing, throw it all out, none of it matters, which is, it is a vote for Trump. <laughs> and yeah, the thing it's is... foolish at worst and dangerous yeah. at best. Yeah, yeah. There is... Absolutely no question that probably any any one of the other candidates, the other Democratic candidates, is more aligned with Bernie supporters' views than Trump is. Yeah. And <laughs> so it would inherently be a better option to just vote for whoever the candidate is, whether you like them or not. It's yeah. it's not about having a perfect candidate. All of the candidates have flaws. All of them have issues and problems. You know, Elizabeth Warren has the um, Native American scandal, and a lot of the candidates have issues that aren't bullshit. They are, they they are all flawed in some way or another. But looking for a perfect one, and if you don't see a perfect one, saying, "Well, I'm just not going to vote," then is yeah, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Don't do that. And it's not going to. What's it go? It's not going to convince anybody. The other, is the Democrats yeah, aren't going to go. Sending a message. Oh, do you know what? Yeah. Do you know what? We will. Yeah. Forget what we've just done. Let's put Bernie up. Yeah. You know, they just kind of. Yeah. Well, that's and the same thing happened in the UK, um, and I had it firsthand because I went out on the campaign trail ahead of the election for the for the Labour Party. And on the doorstep, people were saying, well, I would vote Labour if it wasn't for Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. So I'm not going to. And I would, I bluntly would just say, well, then Boris is going to get in. Yeah. And they would say, well, you know, I, yeah, well, it kind of doesn't matter, actually, because no, the government hasn't, no government's done anything. I said, well, if it doesn't matter, vote <laughs> Corbyn. Yeah. 
you know, vote for your, and actually you're not voting for Corbyn, you're voting for your local Labour candidate. Yeah. That's, that's the thing, you know, it's all about that kind of Corbyn thing that we say, oh, and even grown people, grown people with whom I work were saying, well, ah, that Corbyn, it's just, and I'm going, well, if you went to hospital as an emergency and they said you had to have life-saving surgery, but you didn't like the look of the surgeon, would you then not do it? I mean, it's a bit of, possibly a bit of a fallacious analogy, but, <laughs> Probably, yeah. you know, it was kind of that, you know, I was equating um, life-saving surgery with the need for a socialist government. And I'm not wrong. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, they were so, so it was just this weird thing for, you know, full-grown adults who lived through several elections and we'd all lived through 10 years of the Tory government. So really, you're just going to do it because you just don't like... Do you like Boris? No. Okay. Well, then vote for the people opposite them. Then that yeah. are going to get in and uns unseat the Tory candidate in this um, constituency, and thereby rob him of a seat in Parliament. But no, yeah. didn't happen. So whether or not you're a fan of Chapo Trap House, uh, whether or not you're a fan of Bernie or one of the other candidates, and you're thinking that uh, this is this is my candidate, they're the only one who's going to be any good. I, I, you know, I have problems with all the others. Campaign for your candidate in the primaries. Vote for your candidate in the primaries. Be absolutely yeah. vociferous in supporting them and telling other people why they should vote for them. And if they get to be the nominee, great. If they don't. Vote for your next best option, the one that next aligns yeah. with who, with your feelings and thoughts. Go on iSide with Which is basically going to be any... Any of be, the others. Any Democrat, really, Gabbard. isn't it? It's, I don't yeah. care. They're all better than Trump. Go on iSide with not com. Republicans. Do the questionnaire. Yeah. I, I, I know that if you support Bernie, then someone like Elizabeth Warren agrees with a lot of the stuff you agree with because yeah. I went yeah. on I side with and I filled in the questionnaire and I got 91% alignment with Sanders and 91% alignment with Warren and 18% alignment with Trump. So either yeah, one yeah. of those two or any of the others is much yeah. better <laughs> for for the kinds of policies I support than Trump. And I'm sure it's yeah. the same for you. And the, so go and on the, kind of, the site. Yeah, and the kind Find of out who policies you, that Bernie yeah. supports. He, of course, yeah. The, the policies are the policies. And they differ. The, the candidates differ. You know, the, yes, yes, they will have different views on private healthcare insurance and, and whether, you sh whether they should completely put everything onto Medicare or... Or, or guns or they they have different problems historically with stop and frisk in the case of mike bloomberg or other issues but look at which one is which one is most closely aligned well no actually don't look at which one is most closely aligned look at which whichever one you support and support them up to the point they're no longer in the race then yeah. whoever becomes the nominee See if your views align more with theirs than Trump. And if they do, vote for them. Yeah, because otherwise, if you don't and opt out of voting, then you're, there's, you're not putting up any opposition to the Republicans. Yeah. Uh, ergo Trump. You know, and not every 
certainly not the Democrats, but not every politician is like Trump insofar as Trump has no party allegiance to the Republicans at all. He's just doing what he wants to do. I suspect there's nobody advising. Well, we know from reading the book, lots of people advise him and he doesn't take their advice. He just does what he wants to do. Yeah. So our second example, <laughs> sorry for the rant, in uh, Fallacy in the Wild this week is from Penn and Teller Bullshit. This particular episode of the series was about uh, vaccines. Hi, I'm Penn and this is my partner Teller. You may have heard vaccination causes autism in one out of 110 children. Fuck that. Total bullshit. It doesn't. But let's imagine it does. We'll compare two groups of children. Teller's group gets no vaccinations. My group does. I'll use this plexiglass to represent the vaccinations. Oh, 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 that's bad. My vaccination wall knocked one of the children out of line. That's our one in 110 with autism. So I'm just going to cut in here and explain what is going on on screen because mm -hmm. it's harder in, in audio. Teller, Penn and Teller each have a section with people set up like skittles basically mm -hmm. and they have a bucket of balls that each time one of them makes a point or well pen let's face it makes a point yeah they take a ball and throw it in the direction of their people but right. pen has a plexiglass wall in front of his people which is a vaccine mm -hmm. yeah so the balls don't get through much and teller doesn't so yeah it continues in the 1920s, before the diphtheria vaccination was common, there were 13 to 15,000 deaths a year from that disease. If you got it, your chances of dying were about 40%. In 1952, just before the salt vaccine became common, there were about 58,000 cases of polio. If you get unlucky, you might end up permanently disabled or dead. Meningitis, hepatitis A and B, flu, mumps, whooping cough, pneumonia, rotavirus, rubella, smallpox, tetanus, chickenpox. Chickenpox. We have vaccinations against all of them. Which side do you want your child to stand on? So even if vaccination did cause autism, which it fucking doesn't, anti-vaccination would still be bullshit. Yeah, nice. and so most of Teller's skittles are knocked over because then none of them were vaccinated and lots of yep. diseases keep coming along. Penn's point, obviously, is even if you accept the, the bullshit evidence that is put forward to say that, that vaccines cause autism, they also protect you from all the diseases which might kill you. So yep. even if they're not perfect, and they're not perfect, vaccines do have side effects. They, they are quite rare. They do cause some people problems. Not everyone can have vaccines because they're immunocompromised in other ways or, or they are too young or they have other issues. So they, they are not a perfect solution. They, they don't perfectly protect people. Some people still get ill even after they've had a vaccine. But they don't have to be perfect to be really, really good. And that's the key. There's the Voltaire quote, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And yep. that's what people are doing when they say, well, we shouldn't vaccinate anyone because 
there's this tiny possibility that vaccines might cause a disease which actually doesn't even kill you. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it does save <laughs> you from lots of diseases way, that yeah. do kill you. It also make, occurs to me that if you're because people are gluten intolerant, we therefore should do away with bread. Yeah. That's that's the equivalent of of the va- the anti-vaxxers position kind of, isn't it? That you're mm. saying because yeah. one person out of 110 may get autism from the vaccine, which they fucking yeah. want, <laughs> then we ought to not have the vaccine. No, yeah. we should because 119 people will. No, 109 <laughs> people yeah, yeah. will be yeah. protected. Protected, absolutely. Just, just bollocks. Isn't it's, it? Yeah, absolutely. Bollocks. So... Yes, it's don't don't give up a really good thing, a really good solution to to a problem or a really good point of view because there is a problem with it or even a potential problem with it because that's bullshit. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game; it's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where usually I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. But I'm doing something a little bit different this time around. Mm, oh, yeah. yeah, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> if I can't if I can't win, then it's not even worth considering playing. Yeah, if you're not on a hundred percent, what's the point at all? Yeah, what's so, the point at all? Yeah. Yeah, so as I mentioned, quite a lot's happened over the last couple of weeks. So uh, mm-hmm. rather than shoving everything into the headline section, uh, I thought I'd deal with the State of the Union through fake news, but okay. not with crazy things he said, but right. something a little bit different. So you may remember last year in State of the Union, we we did go through all of the, well, not even all of the lies, a small selection of the lies that he told during the State of the Union. A lot of sprinkling, yeah. <laughs> and we marvelled at the fact that even in the anecdotes that he told and the kind of people he brought up in the gallery, some of those things weren't true. And and it's it's kind of such, it's so telling that in this scripted speech which is probably the most important speech he makes all year they can't even come up with true statistics to to bolster the ideas that he's trying to put forward now as always as as with all state of the unions he did have several people that he had invited or the white house had invited to sit in the gallery while he he did the state of the union got them to stand up and told their stories and it kind of linked into stuff he was talking about but not all of the stories he told about them were true and right. so what I'm going to do is play you three clips of him telling these stories. And all I've done in editing is take out the egregious uh, applause that seems almost constant during the State of the Union. And what you have to figure out is which one of the three is actually true, because the other two aren't. Oh, oh OK. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, okay. <laughs> right. Uh, here is number one. This is the first time that these deserving communities have seen anything like this. It's all working. Opportunity Zones are helping Americans like Army veteran Tony Rankins from Cincinnati, Ohio. After struggling with drug addiction, Tony lost his job, his house, and his family. He was homeless. But then Tony found a construction company that invests in Opportunity Zones. He is now a top tradesman drug-free, reunited with his family, and he is here tonight. Tony, keep up the great work, Tony. So he's talking there about Opportunity Zones, which is a project where, as part of the Republican tax plan, actually, they will give tax breaks to companies that invest money in poor communities. 
which seems like a pretty good idea. Yeah. Um, but if only it that were true. story may or may not be true. Number right. two. In 2017, doctors at St. Luke's Hospital in Kansas City delivered one of the earliest premature babies ever to survive. Born at just 21 weeks and six days and weighing less than a pound, Ellie Schneider was a born fighter. Through the skill of her doctors and the prayers of her parents, little Ellie kept on winning the battle of life. Today, Ellie is a strong, healthy two-year-old girl sitting with her amazing mother, Robin. In the gallery, Ellie and Robin, we are glad to have you with us tonight. And number yep, three. Not rip, not rip <laughs> from the womb at nine months. No, no. Right, yeah, no. yeah. Uh, number three, this is a slightly longer one. For too long, countless American children have been trapped in failing government schools. To rescue these students, 18 states have created school choice in the form of opportunity scholarships. The programs are so popular that tens of thousands of students remain on a waiting list. One of those students is Janaya Davis, a fourth grader from Philadelphia. Janaya. Janiah's mom, Stephanie, is a single parent. She would do anything to give her daughter a better future. But last year, that future was put further out of reach when Pennsylvania's governor vetoed legislation to expand school choice to 50,000 children. Janiah and Stephanie are in the gallery. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here with your beautiful daughter. Thank you very much. But, Janiah, I have some good news for you, because I am pleased to inform you that your long wait is over. I can proudly announce tonight that an Opportunity Scholarship has become available. It's going to you, and you will soon be heading to the school of your choice. So there we go. Hmm. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, that la the last one is the only one that's got a snipe at. <laughs> Obviously, Pennsylvania's Democrat <laughs> governor vetoed uh -huh. uh, legislation. Yeah, and it's also a bit suspicious that that's called opportunity scholarships, like the other one's called opportunity zones. So, I, as obviously, because I've just played them, he really said all yeah. these things. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. But which the, one is of, true? Of the three, the programs that he's talking about are yeah, real yeah. programs. Okay. These, these people that he is telling Might the stories be... about. May the stories may, may, that may he's telling exist. about these specific okay. people may not may or may not be true. One of them is true. Right. The other two are are less true. So, <laughs> so less <laughs> 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 true. Right. <laughs> okay. So which one is is the true one? Yeah. Which is not fake news. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh. Mm, okay. Right. I. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I want just because it's, uh, I don't know, because that middle one is about, the second one about the born at 21 weeks is the whole pro-life thing going on right there. Um, uh, and the homeless thing. It's, I think that... The first one, Tony and his homeless guy with the opportunity zones, 
is a real guy. Okay. And so the you, other two are you think just the other two are made politically up, made just up. Just bullshit. Yes. What, which, yes. Which of those are you more confident is, is just not true? Uh, I think the Janiya one is just not true. It's less true than, <laughs> than number one. Okay. Yeah. So, it's got, yeah. Yeah. So Janiya Davis, the, the fourth yeah. grader who was in a failing government school, is, is fake news. You're correct. Oh, well, um, yeah. Bloody she... hell. How does she get away with that shit? So... <laughs> no. So that's, such, like, uh, that's a political scoring point. Yeah. 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 So he says that, you know, too many American children are in failing schools. Uh, she's on the list to, to get uh, this thing called an opportunity scholarship, which some states have set up, uh, which will give her the, the choice to go to a, a better school, a school that she wants to go to. Um, turns out that Janiya Davis is already at a very competitive charter school called the Math, Science and Technology Community Charter School in Philadelphia. Um, it's so competitive... Not a, not a failing school. No, it's so competitive that it received 6,500 applications for 100 spots in the next school year. Wow. Um, it, it does not fund... It does not charge tuition. She doesn't have to, to, have to go... Uh, to pay to go there. It is yep. uh, funded in part by taxpayers, but being a charter school, it's uh, funded also by uh, kind of private organisations as well. Um, it is, a, is an extremely good school. And that her mum says uh, it's not a school that she'd want to get out of at all. It's a great opportunity to, to be there. And yeah. also, while it's... I'm not sure it's quite stated, but it's very, very strongly implied that she has got... You know, it, it, it is stated. She's got one of these opportunity scholarships. Uh, you know, yeah. a, an opportunity scholarship has become available, it says. It yeah. hasn't. She One of those... One of those scholarships under that program has not become available. Betsy DeVos, right. the department, the, the head of the Department of Education, is funding out of her own pocket, because she's a billionaire, uh, a yeah. scholarship for this particular child. Because right. I guess they'd already invited her to the State of the Union. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's not out of that program and she doesn't need it. And and she doesn't want to get out of the school. No, because she's in a really, no. really good competitive school. So she's going to be heading to the school <laughs> of her choice. Well, I'll just head back to where I, the school I go to every yeah. morning. So Thanks they could they not find a child in a failing government school? Yeah, to take uh, to yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously not with the the diversity quotient that they require. <laughs> yeah, a, no Strong argument. There. So yeah. so when they're in the in the sitting there in the gallery and they and he says it and they they just look at each other and go, what the fuck? Are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You mean I've got to leave the school? I don't want to leave the school. It's a great school. It's bizarre. Or do they just put this beaming face on because actually they can't? They've been given headphones and they're listening to Bernie Sanders, (laughs) so they're quite look quite happy. Yeah, the the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, looked into this and they said it was it was not clear to them. It's a bit of a mystery. They said why Davis was chosen to appear at the State of the Union. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, yeah, purely because so, she gives good telly. Yeah. Yeah. What? So. God. So, of the other two, uh, you think oh, yeah. that the, the, the poor little premature child was the yeah. was the fake one. And yeah. uh, that yeah. was yeah. real. 
Her story was real. Oh, she was oh, indeed man. born at 21 weeks and six days. And Trump did use it, as you correctly surmised, yeah. as a pro-life argument. Yeah. He, he having yeah. said that, you know, this amazing child, this miracle child, you know, she, she managed to struggle through and, and stay alive that, that time. And her doctors were amazing. Um, yeah. And therefore, we should not only put a great deal of money into neonatal care, which everyone went, yay, that's good. Um, yeah. But also, we should we should we should, our we should laws. ban um, yeah. late-term abortions um, based on this, essentially. Which isn't which is a, isn't that a Nirvana fallacy kind of in reverse? Kinda, kinda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because or, because a child survived a day hmm. before the deadline of because um, it's twenty-two weeks is usually the deadline yeah. in most states for yeah. for, for yeah, yeah, late-term yeah. abortions. No, it was a very specific twenty-one weeks and six there, days, six um, days, yeah, eleven hours, and yeah, and uh, I mean, he said this is one of the earliest premature babies ever to survive. That's why that's a that's a kind of deadline because there've literally been mm. about four children, of, yeah, of of that age, twenty-one weeks, six days, five days, four days. I think is the youngest ever in the world to survive yeah um and yeah most of them die if if a parent if a mum has to give birth at that age if a child has to be um, taken out by c-section or whatever they don't survive this is incredibly unusual um and and that's why that is about the time where they say okay at that point we start considering them maybe to be viable because after that point after 22 weeks is when Actually, there's something they can do the, in the hospital. The likelihood of them surviving it goes, it goes way up. up. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, he did. He did incredibly cynically use a premature child to yeah, yeah. promote the pro-life argument. Yeah. Um, so the first one. So that means poor old Tony. Tony, <laughs> Tony Rankins doesn't exist. He does exist. <laughs> okay. He, he did. Uh, he was homeless. Um, he yep. was a veteran, uh, ex-felon. He did. Uh, he was, I believe, a drug addict as well. However, nothing to do with opportunity zones. The job that he got, uh, kind of renovating a, a, a hotel in Nashville two years ago, yep. was he got that job four months before the Treasury Department even published its final list of neighbourhoods that would be eligible for opportunity zones. <laughs> And the hotel where he worked wasn't in one of the zone, the areas where yeah. it made the cut. So he he was not helped in any way by the opportunity zones. Um, and in fact, the company that he works for, which owns about yeah. four hundred buildings, only one of their buildings is in that program, and it's a right. warehouse in Cincinnati where no one works; they just store stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so even the company he works for doesn't benefit from doesn't that invest in no no but <laughs> and, yeah but, but keep up the good work tony <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah yeah and and after the state of the union kind of members of, of trump's community basically really doubled down on it the white house tweeted that uh rankin's made an incredible comeback thanks to opportunity's own investments the official republican no. twitter account said this story shows how an opportunity zone in cincinnati has given him a second chance ivanka trump said through grit and per- perseverance he secured a job created in an opportunity zone and is now thriving um it's all bullshit they didn't there's <laughs> nothing to do with opportunity zones at all he was so is it is it he would just did it on his he, own yeah is he it, was so it, he was a homeless drug addict ex-felon who managed to secure a job at a company who is um sympathetic to to 
to helping homeless people to get jobs, yeah. basically. Yeah. Nothing to do with the government. They didn't help them at all. No, and Trump's jumping on that because what it does is give a tax break to some of his mates mm-hmm. to uh, invest in opportunities. Yeah, and, and again, I wouldn't be surprised program, if the Trump organization doesn't do that. Sounds like a yeah. good program, presumably. Yeah. The tax breaks that these companies get aren't bigger than the investment they put into the communities. Otherwise, it would make more mm-hmm. sense for the government just to put that money into the communities. But yep. assuming that's the case, that, that, that they get they put money in and, and you know, fund projects in these communities that, that need investment and then they get money back from the government, yeah, good deal. But you don't need to illustrate it with a lie. It's so weird. <laughs> Very odd. And again, it zoomed on, zooms on him like the camera at the Super Bowl uh-huh. and the guy's going, what? <laughs> Yeah, well, I didn't know. He's like shaking his head, so that's a cut away quickly to somebody who's nodding. And they go, oh, to- oh, Tony, there you are. Yeah, the guy, that guy nodding there was the real Tony's going, no, nothing to do with <laughs> No, what? No. God, so, damn. the State of the Union, uh, as, as yeah. usual, a, a collection of lies followed by a viral moment from Nancy Pelosi, which, which stole the brilliant. entire news yeah. cycle. And yep. must have pissed yep. Trump off so much because everything was all about how she ripped up the papers after the State yep. of the Union and yep. people like Matt Gates going on the news and saying it's against the law, which it isn't. And no. <laughs> yeah. So that's that was basically yeah. the state. Oh, and no giving, point in keeping it. Yeah. Giving yeah. Rush Limbaugh a, a presidential medal of freedom for I don't know, services to racism or something. Oh yeah. And, yeah, yeah. 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 That was it. That's the State of the Union. <laughs> there is still time to enter our Fire Swamp 2020 competition where you had to pick 10 of the most important and influential members of the Trump administration uh, who you think are going to get fired or yeah. resign no, um, hope, within, the, fired. <laughs> within yeah. the next five months uh, by June yeah. uh, 20th. I'm actually going to extend the deadline slightly because it was supposed to be the 20th of uh, February, but my right. email wasn't working for the first week or so, and I didn't no. know. So yeah. some people may have tried to enter early on. Um, and not had a chance. So if you have tried to enter, if you've emailed me your picks and you haven't had a reply from me, then you need to do it again. You need to email me again. I'm sorry about that. And I will reply and um, we'll put you through. So um, I'm going to extend it to the 27th, so a week, a week more, and I will put that on the Facebook group. You have to be a member of the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious Trump to enter. And if you uh, pick all of the people who end up um, retiring, resigning, getting fired, whatever, then then you get points. Jump, and the more points you get, the, the more likely you are to win. And if you win, you get cool stuff like T-shirts and things like that. So go to facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious Trump and enter the fire swamp. So it's time for the part of the show that this week is called Bill Barr is not a logical fallacy. He's an asshole. So it's it's been quite well. I mean, I've said a few times it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Yeah, Trump, Trump yeah. has um has has been emboldened by his acquittal, and mm-hmm. and Barr, it seems, has has 
just become even more of a of his own personal Trump's own personal attorney instead of the uh, U.S. Attorney General. Because the first thing he did, like, literally on the day that Trump was acquitted, Barr put out a memo through the entire Department of Justice to say that any investigation of a uh, presidential candidate or vice presidential candidate in these elections, in the 2020 elections, would have to go through him and he would have to sign off on it personally. So what that does, obviously, is allows him to okay investigations into any of the Democratic candidates and veto any investigations into Trump. Yeah. Which is fun. Strangely. (laughs) Yeah. And not banana republic at all. No. And it, and it also kind of opens the door to say, oh, okay, so all of the investigations that we were that were at the very root of the impeachment articles, mm-hmm. so investigating Biden's, you know, getting other governments to provide stuff to say that they were investigating Biden, that is, that is perfectly fine by Barbara. Well, Not only know, is it fine... But he has apparently opened up a special channel for Rudy Giuliani, who is not a member of the administration, but is Trump's actual personal attorney, to provide information that he has supposedly got from his visits to Ukraine about Biden. He has has specifically created a special channel to get information from Giuliani to the Justice Department, which is unprecedented. Yeah, Um, and is exactly what Trump was impeached for. (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah. Can we not impeach? Can we can can Barr not get impeached uh, as a result of of doing such things? Well, a lot of people. Who, uh, yeah, it is possible. It is theoretically possible for Congress to impeach yeah. Barr. Pelosi has at the moment said that there isn't. She doesn't think it is the right time, or the or there isn't enough political will to do it at the moment. But she's, but a lot of people she's do. Said that about Trump. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people do think that it is. It, not only that he should be impeached, but that he should just resign because it's so obvious yeah. that he is breaking his oath um, to just yeah. the equal... Partiality, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Equality yeah, yeah, yeah. of justice and stuff like that. Yeah. In fact, 2,000 yeah. now former DOJ Whoa. officials have signed an open letter calling for Barr to resign. Whoa. These are these are mostly lawyers who, who used to work for the DOJ. I mean, it's quite... The letter itself is scathing to say the least really <laughs> uh, yeah it's a, they've put it up on medium and it it says things like governments that use the enormous power of law enforcement to punish their enemies and reward their allies are not constitutional republics they are autocracies um it's it's pretty strong and it, there's yep. a lot more to it yep. than that and yeah t- so far i think at the moment 2003 former doj officials have signed that a number of senators have said that they think that sh- that he should resign, including Elizabeth Warren, and mm. um, and and the, that memo saying that basically he gets to decide who gets investigated politically is is just the very tip of the iceberg. The thing that has actually prompted the open letter is his um, interference, I guess, in in the Roger Stone verdict because oh, Roger Stone, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. was convicted a few months ago now of um, five counts of um, making false statements to Congress, obstruction of justice and witness tampering because he yep. threatened to 
um, beat the crap out of Randy, Randy Credico if he testified and murder his dog. So that's right. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. That's right. yeah. Why can't everybody just be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and so the the uh, prosecutors in that case, it, it was coming up for the sentencing hearing, and they announced uh, that their recommended sentence mm. was seven to nine years, which is yep. completely in line with the federal rules of evidence. They had, there is a schedule of uh, lengths of sentence for various offences. There are things which make, which are mitigating factors which make the sentence shorter. Like, for example, if you accept your guilt. And there are things which make the sentence longer. Like, for example, if you have a history of criminal behaviour, which amazingly Stone doesn't, or at least not that he's been convicted. Oh, right. Oh, well. So, (laughs) um, yeah, yeah, so so you, you tally it up, you you work out all of the details and and it gives you a column and a row and he comes out in column one row twenty nine seven to nine years. There is apparently a, a, a the the way that that is achieved basically where they get to what row you're in is that a non-partisan non-biased like not on the prosecution not on the defence team but a parole officer essentially sits down with the defendant and talks through, asks them all the questions of whether they, you know, have a criminal record, whether they yeah. um, accept their guilt and all of that stuff. And they work out yeah. with the defendant what category they should be in. Um, yeah. That is then sealed. It hasn't been released for this case. But if it said anything different to the seven to nine years, Stone's lawyers would have said, look, the um, pre-sentencing report... Uh, said it should be this and yet the prosecutors are being crazy they're saying seven to nine so almost certainly it said exactly the same Um, but when Trump heard that it was going to be seven to nine years he went on Twitter (laughs) yeah Yeah. (sighs) so yeah he got involved and said this is ridiculous he didn't even do anything no one can identify what he did they can they have he's been convicted for it found him guilty. <laughs> he, was, yeah. he was he was convicted unanimously by a jury of nine people um yeah and uh yeah so not only has he uh, said basically that this is ridiculous and, and shouldn't be that much he's also attacked one of the main jurors like the four person of the jury in the case trump has has tweeted um i think they i think someone at fox news found the jurors' social media and right. um, decided that they had lots of tweets that were anti-Trump and therefore they were biased and shouldn't have been allowed on the jury. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which isn't how that works. <laughs> no. People, people are allowed to have opinions. Um, and that is, in fact, part of the, the process of the trial is that, that Stone's lawyers um, needed to seek out that bias. And if they felt it was unlikely to give their client a fair trial, they have peremptory challenges where they could just strike jurors for that kind of thing, or they can argue to get rid of the juror for cause if they think they're biased. That didn't happen or it wasn't accepted. And therefore that person is allowed to sit on the jury. Um, it's amazing for the president of the United States to attack a juror. Yeah. Legal due process has been, seen to be done and been done Absolutely. all the way through from start to finish. And the president who let, who isn't Colonel Gaddafi, who isn't um, Assad, isn't Idi Amin, isn't, you know, some despotic leader, 
but the president of the free world is going, getting involved right down to the jury level. Yeah. And what the? And he's saying, basically, and and a lot of people on the Republican side, you know, Republican idiots like Charlie Kirk are saying, obviously this this was rigged, this is a biased trial because this one juror was yep. a Democrat, essentially. Well, there you go. There's like, a Nirvana they think fallacy you get to right have, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, they think you yeah. get to have 12 or 9 or whatever the number is in, in your particular case, jurors who yep. all politically agree with you. That's yeah, not yeah. how that yeah. works. That's not how it works, no. <laughs> Though Bill Barr thinks it does. Uh, well, Though, yeah, Bill Barr, yeah. he's going to try and do something about it. He He's already done something about it in the pretty much the day after the original sentencing recommendation came out, the 79, seven, not 79, seven to nine years. <laughs> oh, um, no, you <laughs> they, um The Justice Department announced that they would be coming out with a, uh, a revised sentencing recommendation. Um, and the four prosecutors on the case all resigned. They they because they weren't yeah. prepared to put forward yep. a a recommendation that they knew was not okay and probably a lie yep. when they when they tried to make and, their arguments to back and, it up uh, and thereby illegal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, literally, by the very definition of the word, it, you know, it's not legal because it's not adhering to the legal framework. Yeah. If you're not going to run, go by the rules, then how how does that work? Yeah. You know, how do you end well, up? The, with, so it, they, it is just anarchy. Yeah. So the four prosecutors resigned. They withdrew from the case. I, I believe three of them have actually completely resigned from the Department of Justice. Um, wow. And yeah. if you depart in sentencing from the, the federal guidelines, they are mm. guidelines. They aren't um, absolute rules, but the the kind of the practice and the rule is that you that if you do depart from them you have to have a reason you have to you know present yeah an argument the the judge if they depart from the sentencing guidelines has to has to write a separate report saying why they've done that and why they aren't giving the yeah. sentence and Amy Berman Jackson the judge in the case is still very likely even with the the new revised judgment uh, sentencing recommendation to still give that seven to nine years mm. because that mm. is what the federal rules of there are, um, yeah, there are no say. other mitigating circumstances um, that haven't yet been yeah. taken into account. They will get to make Beyond. their argument. Uh, at the moment, the latest is that she has um, arranged an on-the-record phone conference, essentially, between all of the, the parties, um, yeah. which I think is for possibly tomorrow. We're recording this on, on Monday the uh, 17th, and I believe it's scheduled for sometime this week anyway. So... Um, yeah, something will come out of that that I think she'll. Mm-hmm. You know, one of her questions will probably be, why should yeah I, why should we not sentence him based on the the general schedule? Um, yeah, and we'll see what happens from that. But it's the the level to which both the president and the attorney general have clearly interfered in a, a specific mm. individual prosecution and sentencing decision is quite amazing. And, and and absolutely yeah. banana republicy, exactly, and it's and utterly transparent, yeah. As well, that's the other thing. Do, do they think nobody's going to notice when you're the president? When you do stuff, people tend to notice. Um, you know, Charlie Kirk and the, all the Trump voters mm-hmm. will go, "Yeah, he's perfectly within his rights to do that." Well, yeah. no, just because well, he they says will. he absolutely. is absolutely doesn't and, mean that he is. 
And one of the worst things about it is that whatever happens with the sentencing, he can pardon him. Trump can just pardon yeah. Stone because these are federal yeah. um, offences, and he probably will, because now he just thinks he can get away with whatever he wants, and kind of he can in that case. That's not something yeah, that he yeah. can do anything about. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. if 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 for somehow a state found a way to prosecute him for that stuff, there isn't a... Well, some states do have a double jeopardy that stops them from prosecuting things that have already been prosecuted mm. at the federal level, but some don't. So there's that possibility. But basically, Trump can can let it run its course. Didn't need to intervene at this point, um, uh, and and didn't need those four prosecutors to essentially lose their jobs. Uh, and then when it goes through, he can give them a pardon. He may mm. possibly not do that until after the election because. I mean, it depends whether, how much he cares about optics, if he thinks that people will care or not. I yeah. don't know. His base probably won't okay. care. They'll probably think it's the best thing ever. So Exactly, because he can shoot a, shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and nobody will... You know, <sighs> people will elect him, yeah. as, as well, we, well we know. And the, and the other thing is that, uh, yeah, if he does do it, that's just going to... Um, you know that all that his base would just go. Yeah, you're really sticking it to the man. Yeah, but 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 who is the man? He is the man. Yeah, that 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 normally people stick things to. Uh-huh. And when you're doing that, you're disrupting the entire legal framework, which serves the ordinary man as well as you know multi-billionaire Trump friends. It should serve everybody equally. But then we're in an America where healthcare doesn't, and yeah. the tax system doesn't. Most things and, don't, to be honest. So and they all yeah. serve Trump. Uh, increasingly, he's just riding the whole system in such a way that is so outrageous that the structures of government aren't quick enough to catch up with it. They're not built to cope with it. No, no. Nobody thought from the founding on... fathers forwards that anyone no. would do this kinds of stuff. With, yeah. Would be as ungentlemanly and un. Uh, they, you know, he has no concern for anyone other than himself, and the office of president is all about being concerned for other people, and not. Yeah. He's supposed to be a public yourself. servant. Yeah, that's that's the irony of it all. Yeah, is that he's everybody supposed works to serve him, the not public. the other yeah. way around. Yeah. <sighs> And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. As you may have heard, all but one of the Republican senators did exactly what we all knew they were going to do and acquitted Trump, despite many of them confirming that they believed he did do everything he was accused of doing. Senator Susan Collins said she was pretty sure Trump learned his lesson. And he sure did. He learned that he can get away with any fucking thing he likes. Within days of the acquittal, he fired both Gordon Sondland and Alexander Vindman because they testified to the truth under subpoena. And just for shits and giggles, he fired Vindman's twin brother too. (laughs) Yes, firing people in retaliation for testifying against you is a whole new crime in itself, but nothing matters anymore. He then announced he's thinking of stopping the long-standing practice of having administration officials listen in on his crimes, sorry, calls to foreign leaders, which is what anyone who only makes perfect calls would do. Good old son of a Trump, Eric, vice president of the Trump organisation, was pleased to tell us last year how the government saves a fortune by staying at the president's properties rather than at other nearby hotels. 
To quote, if my father travels, they stay at our properties for free, meaning like costs for housekeeping. If they were go to a hotel across the street, they'd be charging them $500 a night, whereas, you know, we charge them like 50 bucks. Hey, guess what? Yep. He's lying. Secret Service records obtained by the Washington Post revealed Trump's Mar-a-Lago Resort in Palm Beach charged Secret Service a rate of $650 per night dozens of times in 2017 before charging them $396 dozens more times in 2018, according to the report. The initial cost was more than three times the $182 nightly limit for federal employees in the area and was even higher than what State Department staff were charged to stay at Mar-a-Lago around the same time. Who gets that money? Yep, Trump. Who pays for it? Yep, you, you dummies, out of your taxes. And he pays less corporate tax than you do and less personal tax because he's like the president. And he can. Uh, No, because he's a crook. And you voted him in. The Democrats have started whittling down their candidates from infinity to about 10 or so by having some votes, kind of. They started, as always, with the Iowa caucuses. If you don't know what a caucus is, it's where people who have three hours to kill on a Tuesday evening and don't have to worry about childcare or working late go to a school gym and stand in an area that represents their favourite candidate. Then, if their chosen one didn't get enough people, they get to move to another group. It's a bit like that 80s Mike Reed game show, Runaround, which is a reference oh, yeah. only British listeners of a certain age will understand. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the Democrats somehow managed to fuck up standing in a room and nobody could figure <laughs> out who won for about a week. Then New Hampshire did an actual vote where people just vote and Bernie Sanders came out on top. He kind of tied Iowa with Pete Buttigieg in that one of them got more votes and the other one got more delegates. And apparently, even though those two overwhelmingly Caucasian states only contain a total of 65 of the 1,991 delegates a candidate needs to be the nominee, everyone seems to care what happens there, despite Super Tuesday being mere weeks away. Birmingham, Alabama State Representative Rolanda Hollis put forward a bill in response to the fact that there was no restrictions on the reproductive rights of men. The bill would mandate every Alabama man to undergo a vasectomy within one month of his 50th birthday or the birth of his third biological child, whichever came first. I suspect this was a rather elegant way of pointing out the inequality of the anti-abortion laws being discussed yet again by the Republicans, a move likely to provoke thought and a considered appreciative response. Except not for Ted Cruz, who fell straight into the trap, peered through the descending red mist and tweeted, Yikes, a government big enough to give you everything is big enough to take everything. Literally. Mwahaha, went the whole of the internet, who shouted straight back at him in his face. Yeah, what kind of government would legislate over what you can and can't do with your own body? Huh? Huh? Once again, we're proud of the nation's grasp of irony and embarrassed by Ted Cruz's continued grasp of stupid. Way to cell phone, Ted. Trump is stealing more money from the Pentagon to build his wall. But instead of just taking money that was designated for houses for military families like before, the $3.8 billion he's taking this time was supposed to provide combat equipment like fighter planes, ships and other vehicles. Boy, he sure does love and respect the military. About the only thing that could make this story worse is if that money was going to fund a wall so useless that illegal border crossings had doubled in the last three months compared to the same period last year because people were climbing over the new wall using $5 ladders made of rebar, which is really hard to spot because it's the same colour as the wall. Oh, wait, all of that happened. (laughs) 
You know, in Dallas, where J.R. Jr. wakes up and the entirety of season two has been a dream, they're all true. Yep, the drunk, tramp and an unfit mother herself, Hope Hicks, is back. Like when Daisy Duke returned in series four but was a different actress. Hope's back. Dismissed for lying on behalf of Trump and latterly Fox News, she's back as Trump's personal counsellor. Monica Lewinsky, anyone? Oh, impeachment. And Waldorf and Statler have given up sniping from their theatre box and are returning as Sean Spicer and Rince Priebus, like Dancing with the Stars wasn't bad enough, we've got to relive all this again. Fresh from the revenge tour, it appears Trump has no one to turn to but people he didn't fire last time around. I'm just going to list the self-same people in our Fire Swamp game. This is going to be like watching The Force Awakens and realising it's a remake of Star Wars. Only this is way better. Okay, what the hell? It's, first of all, it was Pam who woke up and and it was season nine of Dallas. I don't know what you're talking about, J.R. Jr. And also, Daisy Duke was always Catherine back. She didn't. She didn't come back as a different actress. Are you thinking of, like, Aunt Vivian in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or something? What are you talking about? Yeah, no, no. I'll put all that in knowing that you would have the correct bit. Yeah. And if you're in any doubt that Jim knows this stuff, check these books on Amazon. Uh, also, Johnny McEntee, Trump's former body man, is back. He was fired by John Kelly, chief of staff, when uh, McEntee's security clearance basically was wouldn't come through because he had gambling problems and therefore was potentially compromised and also right. had various kind of he was under investigation for some financial crimes tax evasion i think right um but yeah right. he's back now and his job yeah. his new job is in charge of personnel at the white house so he's in charge there of hiring new people for the <laughs> trump's kind of guy absolutely yeah <sighs> okay as anyone who listens to Trump for five minutes knows, he has ushered in an era of unprecedented financial success in the US. Everything is amazing, everyone has jobs, people are richer than ever before, and life is good in what Trump compulsively calls the best economy in US history. Kind of weird, then, that the White House has announced the planned 2.5% pay raise for all civilian federal employees in 2021 will now only be 1% due to what they call national emergency or serious economic conditions affecting the general welfare. Presumably, those serious economic conditions are also why Trump's budget proposal cuts a combined $1.8 trillion from Medicare, Medicaid and Social Security over the next decade. In a strong contender for the most blatant gaslighting ever, literally hours before the budget was released, Trump tweeted, We will not be touching your Social Security or Medicare in fiscal 2021 budget. Only the Democrats will destroy them by destroying our country's greatest ever economy. The phrase, I can't even, has always kind of annoyed me, but actually, I can't. Meanwhile, in Britpole news over here, in the ghastly post-Brexit world of Boris Island, even the Chino... Chancellor in name only, Sajid Javid, the worst Chancellor of the Exchequer we've ever had, who was for a time the worst Home Secretary that we've ever had, well, since Theresa May, until Priti Patel came along, has had it, even he has had enough of Boris's post-election revenge tour. And he resigned because of the Machiavellian chicanery of Dominic Don't Call Me Bannon Cummings in asking Javid to sack all his advisers and installed ones that are controlled by Boris and Dom from number 10. Fair enough. Principled, you might even say, honour amongst thieves, possibly. But Boris hasn't learned or reflected or changed his behaviour to be a bit more presidential as a result. No chance. They merely replaced Javid with another puppet anyway. 
That, and a recent Trumpian attempt to only brief the Murdoch press, was thwarted by all the journalists, including the Murdoch ones, walking out of the briefing. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, even if it is uphill. I mean, in a way, he has changed his behaviour to be a bit more presidential. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode you can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy our contact details are on the contact page if you think we've used the fallacy ourselves let us know and if you've had a good time please give us a review on Apple Podcasts Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts you can connect with us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallaciousTrump where you can also enter Fire Swamp 2020 all music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.